Welcome to the mic is on episode number 11. Yes, we're back. It's been a little bit, but don't worry, we're back. Now, this episode today is not going to be a long one. Uh, It's going to be our second small question and answer session. You have questions. I have answers. And I do have answers for a few of you out there uh, who sent this specific amount and number of questions in. Before we get started today, though, for any of you who might, maybe this is the first time you've listened to the podcast and you see that there's been 10 episodes previous, just understand that all the episodes we've done of The Mic Is On are not time, um, you could listen to them whenever you want, right? They're evergreen. There is not a time where you're going to listen and be like, oh, well, that was a while back, so I can't listen to it now. I realize as someone who listens to podcasts a lot, that there are podcasts that you know, if I don't hear them for a couple of days, then I have to remember to go back because they're usually talking about sports things that are happening right now or things in the daily fantasy world that are that are relevant right this second. Any one of the previous 10 podcasts, you can listen to it any time that you want. Do not feel like, oh man, I'll never catch up or I, it's, it's completely out of place now. And that's the whole idea of this podcast, right? When I started it, it was to give people an option to hear different people being interviewed from a wide variety of backgrounds, and then to get to know me better too, right? If you're asking me questions, I want to answer them for you. And that's what we're going to continue to do in the future. So as I mentioned before, this is the second version of You Have Questions, I Have Answers, And it's a short version of that today. Okay, question number one. And interestingly enough, some of these deal with PE, some of these deal with teaching. As you know, I'm a PE teacher at Northgate High School in Walnut Creek, California. And some of these people asking questions are former students. So let's get to it. Number one, from Scott or Scotty Moore as I know him and his friends know him. As a PE teacher, do you feel that you see kids express themselves more because they're outside and out of the classroom and thus see a truer them? Like maybe a higher engagement rate because of being outside and feeling more free to express themselves. And yes, I do completely uh, agree with Scott here. That's one of the things that's awesome about PE. And I've spoken about it before in previous interviews or or episodes. In 180 days in a regular school year, I am going to get to see the real you. And at the beginning of the year, in a normal year, tell all the kids, listen, whether you think you're not competitive, whether you think you're super competitive, at some point this year, you're going to be upset with somebody in this class. Maybe it's me. But it's very rare that someone goes the entire year and never gets frustrated. Because PE, in this case, team sports, is always putting you with teammates, putting you against opponents, forcing you to learn to work with others in positives and learning what are some negatives about people. So you get to see real people come to life, right? And 
in some cases, it's for people first venturing outside of their shell. So the question saying, do I feel I get to see kids express themselves more because they're outside? For the most part, yes. Uh, you can actually have conversations, right? Where not everyone else hears. So as a year goes on, I try to get to know all the students, but the ones that are quieter and the more um, less outgoing, they're the ones that it's going to take a little longer to get to know, right? They're probably not going to come up to me and start a conversation. So how do I get that out of them? And that's the most difficult part, right? As a teacher, because I don't want to take away from what they're doing in class, but I do want to get to know them as the year goes on. And I see how they interact with others. I see who they talk to. I see if they ever smile or laugh or you look upset or hurt. You know, I'm always checking for emotions in students. And that's something that in the nature of our class and our subject is a lot easier to do. We're going to be free. We're going to be out on the field. We're going to be up at the courts. We're going to be out on the blacktop for the most part. And even when we are in the gym playing badminton, you know, you have plenty of space and you have plenty of um, opportunity to show the true you. And, you know, over 180 days, eventually it is going to come out. So I do feel lucky because I know we can get to know students better. And as Scotty's question was, do I, because they're outside of a classroom, do they have a higher engagement rate or they're more free to express themselves? For sure, they're more free to express themselves, right? Because very rarely are we ever telling them to be quiet just when we're talking to them about what we're specifically doing on that day. Otherwise, there's never a time I'm like, okay, guys, please be quiet. I want you to talk. I want you to converse. I want you to communicate with teammates and to learn to communicate better with people that might not be your best friends, just because that's a real life technique that you always want to work on and get better at. So yes, I, I do feel that we see a truer them. Uh, it's rare, I would think, that after a full year of having someone in class, I'm not going to be able to gauge what kind of person they are at that point in their lives. Now, the area that I think I might not see someone be free to express themselves as much is there's still going to be people that, like I mentioned before, are not used to talking or able to express themselves more in writing or in typing. And so that's where you try to integrate some kind of getting to know the students. And I've actually done much more of that this year because I'm seeing kids on Zoom, right? So I'm actually not getting to create that relationship. And that's probably my biggest, the biggest downfall this year uh, from teacher perspective is I don't get to know them. And I know at every level that's the same, but it's really tough in PE when we're used to always getting to know them verbally, how they act, how they react and all those things. And, and that's what we're losing in this school year, right? Um, it's just one of the, the way it is. That's the way it is. So it is still difficult to get to know some of them in a normal year when they're really, really quiet or really shy. But for the most part, yeah, we're going to see the real person come out. And I love it. Like those are the things I miss the most. All right. Question number two. Some of these will run together a little bit. This is from Anthony Giannini. 
He says, what's the thing you are most proud of accomplishing so far in life? Now, when I saw that question, you could think of it in all kinds of different ways, right? Whether it's a work situation, a personal accomplishment, or a life accomplishment. But the first thing I thought of was fatherhood. You know, I got married later than probably all or most or all of my friends. I'm pretty sure my mom had given up on me and my brother ever having kids or getting married. And then all of a sudden we both got married in the same year. Um, But yeah, so I think fatherhood is the thing I'm most proud of accomplishing so far. Now, when I say fatherhood, not that I became a father, that's not the accomplishment. It's that every day trying to be the best father I can be for our daughters and to balance at a young age that you're trying to be a leader, obviously, and a mentor, and you want them to have fun and you want them to be free and outgoing, but you're also at the same time trying to make sure they are learning how are uh, to do things and what are the correct ways to act. Um, but I always think about my dad and I felt like he was the greatest, which I'm sure some of you think your fathers and feel your fathers are the greatest. And so I think of him and I always try to think, okay, how could I do things better? Is there something I could do differently? But the accomplishment of being a father and having two unbelievable daughters and, and knowing that every day is going to be a different day, but you're trying to always be the best you can be for them. Because I'm used to being around teens, right? I'm used to the 14 to 18. What my life wasn't used to is the, of course, birth to, you know, all the way up to that high school age. You know, our five-year-old acts like she's 15. So I, maybe that counts. But yes, that is probably the accomplishment that I'm most proud of so far in life at this point. Now, let's go to Mr. Andrew Morris. Andrew Morris sent in a question, and he said this in a while back, and he asked, what was my favorite moment as a teacher and as a coach? So let's go to the coaching one first, because I know the coaching one, and it took place at Northgate. I used to be a part of the women's basketball program, girls basketball program at Northgate from 0304 till 89. Yeah, those years. And we had a very successful girls basketball program. If you heard the episode with Coach Kelly Sopak, we reminisced a little bit about those days at Northgate. But the moment that I will always remember is this was the 0708 season. So this would have been actually about, uh, what are we, 13 years ago. It was February 27th of 2008. And we were playing in the NCS semifinals against Maria Carrillo High School. Now, that year, Northgate, we, we had a 24-3 and record. We were very good. We were very good. But we were playing against Maria Carrillo, and we had to go on the road to play them in the semifinals because they were um, league champ, and I believe we had tied, or I can't remember if we came in second. But anyways, Maria Carrillo up in Santa Rosa, they were 28-1. and 
they had their best player was named Amanda Johnson at that time. She ended up going to Oregon. And when we won our quarterfinal game to go play that now to the semifinal game, big game, huge game, right? You have a 28 and one versus a 24 and three, two very, very good teams. The big deal was the championship game at that point in NCS used to be played at the Coliseum Arena, the Oakland Coliseum Arena, where the Warriors used to play their home games, right? still seems weird that they don't play them there now. But that was, this was the semifinal game to get to the championship game. You know, if you win, you're going to the Coliseum Arena to play. And there's nothing like that, right? As a high school student, as a coach of a high school team, that's the pinnacle, right? You're going to play for a championship there if you can get there. And Northgate hadn't been to one of those or any of those in years. So we go into this semifinal game. And if there had been betting in Vegas, they would have had us as the underdog for sure. Um, for sure. By probably six to eight points minimum. Because everybody thought, there's no way Northgate's winning this game. They're going on the road. Amanda Johnson's so great. There's no way we, we could win as Northgate. And I am quite certain that only us and maybe not even everybody in our locker room believed we were going to win or could win. As coaches, we believed we had the opportunity there. And so we went in and we played this game and it was packed, completely packed house which is awesome. Anytime you're playing in front of a packed auditorium or gymnasium, even though now it seems unrealistic, us being a pandemic. And it was high intensity. They actually had a DJ, I remember, across the floor that night on the opposite side of the benches, like playing music, completely packed. Their students are rowdy, really rowdy. There's fans from both teams there. There's coaches from the area there because this was a huge game, right? And people knew this was a big matchup. So we devised this defensive game plan, the special defensive game plan to do different things to try to limit this best player, Amanda Johnson. And we knew the way we are going to win this game is it's going to have to be an ugly game. It's not going to be an up and down game. We're going to have to put everything out there in order to try to limit her, right? Don't let their best player do everything they want to do. Force some other players to become part that maybe, you know, in a big crowd situation, maybe they're not up for it, right? Maybe they're not totally used to it. Well, we ended up winning that game. We won 39 to 32. It was by far probably the lowest scoring game we played, I think, the entire year, total points. And it wasn't pretty, but it was a thing of beauty for us. And when the game, you know, in the fourth quarter, it's getting down to it and we're up four or six even. And it seemed like a, like we were up 20 because the teams had such a hard time scoring that night. Crowds going crazy. There were times batteries were even thrown. I think at one point or pennies, it was pennies, not batteries. Uh, pennies. One of our players was like, yeah, a penny almost hit me. And we we're just like, oh, this is great. You know, it was awesome, right? You're not going to get this opportunity. We won the game. It was the greatest feeling in the world to go in that locker room and everyone is just jumping up and down and celebrating and hugging and crying. And I still get emotional talking about it because that level of happiness and accomplishment that we had that night was so awesome. And of course, that wasn't the pinnacle. We want to win the championship, but we knew nobody thought we were going to get that far. And we knew it was a big upset for us to be able to win that game. 
And so that happiness, knowing we were going to go to the Coliseum to play that weekend was the greatest. So that is the greatest coaching moment that I've had at Northgate in my time there, as far as the first memory that always comes back to my mind. As a teacher, there's not a single moment, but as I've talked about, graduation, the graduation moments at Northgate, seeing students walk across that stage that either I've had for maybe no years or one year or two years or sometimes three years, when they are accomplishing that and they're walking across that stage, that is every year where I feel the happiest because they are finishing that four-year stint, right? And everybody only gets to do high school one time. You know, you can go back to college. I did, but you can't generally go back to high school unless there's a reason why you're going back to high school. So that four years is a time that whether you like it, love it, tolerate it, whatever, you're only getting it one time. So you put the most in those four years you possibly can. And when you get to graduation and you're walking across that stage, you've accomplished it, you know, graduation, graduating. And I think that's where I'm proud. And the other part is that I know that along the way to that point, if I've had the students in my classes, that I've hopefully created memories for them right? Memories and things they're going to remember for the rest of their lives, whether it's playing in the ultimate Frisbee extravaganza, whether it's playing in the paddle tennis invitational, whether it's just the fun they had in our class, in the classes they were in with me it in the PE department at Northgate, I feel proud that maybe I've played a part in helping them create things they'll look back on in years and remember not a specific day, not a specific moment, but just that they had a great time doing it. Now, our next question leads into, or we lead this, that last answer will lead into our final question today. And that is what, but this is from Connor Akers. Sorry. Connor Akers asked, what got you into being the MC reading off the names at the Northgate graduation ceremony? And what were some of the most memorable moments during those times? So, as I've discussed before, I graduated with a degree in broadcasting. I've always loved broadcasting, radio specifically. One of my biggest pet peeves in life has been at graduation ceremonies, doesn't matter what level, elementary, middle school, high school, college, people mispronouncing people's names and or not pronouncing people's names as loud as somebody else. I'm sure you've been to one of those, one of those ceremonies where John Johnson, and you can tell the people saying the names, whether they're kids or whether they're adults or whether they're teachers, they don't know everybody well. So names they're familiar with, they pronounce really nicely. And if it's a name they're not familiar with or, or, or maybe a, a pronunciation they're not super confident in, instead of just being confident, they'll say it slower, right? Like if the name was Connor Akers, who asked this question. If I know Connor Akers, they go, Connor Akers. And then if there's a student they don't know, they go, Jim Jacobson. And that's wrong. That's not right. It frustrates me to no end. It gets me upset. I have a hard time going to a ceremony if people are doing that. And unfortunately, it happens at almost every one. And when it's a, uh, a name, whether it's 
not a not a typical name from our country. If it's Asian last name, Russian last name, Polynesian last name, any kind of name, Indian last name, it's the people's jobs who are reading those names off to learn to do them right. That's their job. Like, come on, you get those names right. So for me, at some point, I went to the powers that be at Northgate and I can't remember what precipitated it, but I went and I said, listen, we got to change the way we're doing the names because it makes me crazy that we're not saying everybody's name correctly and saying everybody's name the same. And so in the uh, 10, 11 school year, I did that. And then I said, I can do all the names. We don't need multiple people doing names. I'll do them all. That way you don't have to worry about talking over one another either. And so I started doing it for Northgate High School. And we had our graduation every year at the Concord Pavilion which is a phenomenal location because the, the acoustics are great. There's a huge stage for people to walk across the students and the families can all sit there and see it. And you're not packed in, in a gym. You're not packed in outside at a football field. You're in a controlled environment that's made for crowds and it's great. So I have done it every year since then. And honestly, that is one of the aspects of my job that I take the most pride in doing because it's my responsibility if a family comes to a graduation that they hear their graduates name said correctly and the same as everybody else. And everyone should feel like their son or daughter is the most important person. You know why? Because they are the most important person walking across that stage. Nobody's more important than their sons or their daughters or their grandchildren or their friends. And that's what graduation's about. So that's why I started doing it and how I started doing it. And I've been doing it since then. And of course, last year's didn't happen at the pavilion. In the earlier, one of the earlier episodes, I talked about that graduation ceremony, which actually did happen at our field, but it was only 10 students at a time in a whole bunch of different groups. Memorable moments. You know, I'm so focused doing the names. There's not a lot of crazy things that happen. Occasionally, people have fallen down the stairs when they're coming down from the stage, but I usually don't get to see that. I just hear that, and then I have to slow down because obviously they got to make sure everyone's okay. I know uh, maybe a decade ago or right when I first started doing it, there was somebody who did a backflip off the stage. Now, that's gutsy because that either ends up well 90% of the time or ends up as the worst thing you ever did 10% of the time, but... So there's been some interesting dismounts maybe, but all in all, they're pretty standard graduations. And and realistically, me being the person who says the people's names, there's not a lot of craziness that happens because if I stop saying the names, graduation is not going to keep on going, right? So we got to maintain composure so we can keep it going for the kids and for the families each year and just give them the best moment we can give them. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. That is, you have questions, I have answers. Yes, there are other questions I haven't answered yet, which I will eventually get to. But this is a big week because we have another episode coming out in a few days, uh, an interview that I cannot wait for you guys to hear. Hopefully it will bring happiness And if you haven't listened to some of the older episodes, of course, go back and listen to them. You didn't miss anything. It won't be less important because you're listening to it now, but check it out and 
constantly give some feedback on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Ani B-P-E. That's A-H-N-I-E-B-P-E. You can find me there. Follow me there. I'll accept you. And then, of course, the email for the podcast is themikeison at gmail.com. That's the mic, the M-I-C, is A-H-N at gmail.com. All right. Hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned. Keep listening. We love that you tell people about it. You can rate it, of course, on Apple uh, Podcasts and listen to it pretty much anywhere podcasts are at. So take care of yourselves. Have a great day. And we will see you later.